I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtun Millwall. Hi, this is Ron Jeremy. You're listening to Achtun Millwall. Fag, a sexual pervert, and a stupid wife who falls for the first gigolo comes along. I told you you weren't going to like it. Don't you threaten me. Don't add stupidity to failure. The pain takes the sin away. Doesn't it hurt? Sure it does. But I measure power not by the blows you can give, but by the blows you can take. Controversy surrounds a new Fifty Shades of Grey movie, listeners. Protests have taken place this week by feminist and domestic violence campaigners against its glossy depiction of a subject that in real life causes a lot of misery, pain and mental anguish. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Now, on the same lines, I've got to think that maybe we should form a pressure group to campaign against the abusive relationship that we all have with Fifty Shades and Millwall. I mean, the only difference is that where the heroine of the movie gets slapped around for pleasure by a billionaire, we get knocked around without any gratification whatsoever by a grimy bunch of skint Yorkshiremen. And the thing is, we keep coming back for more. Ladies and gentlemen around planet Earth, welcome to Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart, and there's no safe word to escape today's punishment session. 
the packed show today, we present Glenn Allen and I reviewing yesterday's disappointing 1-0 away loss to those Yorkshire Rippers up at Edam Road. This is followed by a fantastic listed line interview with Mark Hardy, a.k.a. Lord Kitchener. Stay tuned for that, especially for the oil drum story. Any listening Fifty Shades fans may well get a lot out of the golden shower aspects of the story. Listeners, I really hope that you enjoyed the Listed Lions interviews. And we're always on the lookout for guests, and maybe you know someone who would make a great guest for the show. Our club is built on characters, and this is what we're trying to capture and preserve in these interviews. So if you would like to nominate a family member, a close friend, or a relative to talk about their mural life, why not get in touch with us by email at cblthemag at hotmail.co.uk. That's cblthemag at hotmail.co.uk. This is your show, listeners, and we want to hear from you. But please get their permission first. I don't want to go cold calling now, do I? All right, a massive welcome to the show to Glenn Allen. Thanks for coming on the show, Glenn. No worries, mate. No worries. Happy and, times. Yeah, we weren't up there today, were we? We weren't in Leeds. Um, going by what we read and what we hear on on the radio, uh, it sounded, and I, I don't know if um, those that were there can correct me on this, it sounded like we had a poor start to the game and a vaguely improved second half, but without the magic of, of any kind of goal-scoring chance or opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm very wary of uh, judging a game when I wasn't there. I did listen to it on BBC Radio, but then you are going on someone else's opinion of what they're seeing. Yeah, very much so. And also, um, we had the worst commentator that I've ever listened to, some woman that was going on about how she wouldn't let her team play in white because of the grass stains. So you can imagine... That's <laughs> out as it was going along so that's taking football commentary to new levels isn't it really um the laundry aspect of the game has never been one that's really you know probably got the coverage it deserves yeah, um, i think it was the closest to a clean sheet i heard on that oh i like that one i like that one <laughs> <laughs> i've got a quote let's lead off with holloway's post-match quote one nil clearly we've got beat today um first half deflected goal i understand from a free kick but Ian Holloway, speaking post-game, says he felt Mill deserved the point and that their performance was, in quotes, another step forwards. Um, I, I feel a little bit like, like I did after the Huddersfield loss last week. Where I, I did try and strive to take some positive aspects out of that, Glenn. But, you know, pos- steps forward like this is leading us in one direction only, isn't it? Downwards. Yeah, I'm not quite sure which uh, what steps he's doing. I'm not sure he's doing a... A tango, two steps forward, one back or something. But, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I might dig out a Bruce Springsteen song, which is called Two Steps Forward, One Step Back. But um, I, there's a lot of football yet to go in this season. But the, the fact that we cannot score goals for Toffee is starting inexorably to, to count against us now. It sounds like we did have chances in the second half. Clearly, we haven't executed those chances. And yeah. this has been the same story all season, mate, hasn't it? I mean, defensively, I actually feel fairly confident in our defence now. Which is ironic, I suppose, but um, yeah, I mean, know, it's, if we could nick a goal or a couple of goals, then you're kind of like, oh, you know, we might have a chance in this. I mean, like, say, like Blackpool, who have scored four goals but conceded four, I don't think we're in any trouble of that kind of situation. But, uh, you know, they, they're conceding goals where I feel now we've, we're a bit tighter at the back. The problem is, is that we haven't got anyone to, to get, to get the goal. No. And especially it's not going to happen when you're playing the Hoff, but uh, that's a whole different topic. No, that is a topic in its own right. I mean, we, we've kind of reverted back to where we were for the opening months of the season, which with this four, two, three, one system made us and arguably now makes us a difficult team to break down. Although 
um, the early stages of the game today, reading Aldo's online um, commentary, it sounded like we're getting pulled apart quite quite easily. But anyway, let's let's leave that to one side. Um, it sounds like we're we're not getting slaughtered. Um, last week's game against Huddersfield wasn't the slaughtering in the um, in the Norwich away sense or you know the Middlesbrough at home sense. But we are we, we, we're going to every game is going to be a close run thing under this under this format. We're going to have to play the same style at home. We have to keep it tight and close. And we, you're right, we're going to have to find someone to nip the goal. Well, the question is as well is that what what forward line does he actually want? Because we've sort of got a consistency recently in defence and midfield as such, but we keep changing what we're doing up front. So. We've signed some quality well, signed in the in the in the kind of um in the kind of higher purchase sense until the end of the season when they've all got to go home again. But we've got some quality players. I mean whoever I think is a quality player. Fabrini we've we've raved about enough on this show already, so I won't add any more to that, but he's clearly a quality, quality act. So we have brought in touches of class that we weren't, you know, we didn't have previously. But in the most critical, crucial position on on the football pitch in terms of winning a game, centre forward, you know we're we're playing. Uh, I describe him as a glorified um, painter's decorator's mate last week, and that's that's about all he is. He's, you know, that the man is ill suited to the purpose that we require. I'm talking about Hoff, of course. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, you shouldn't really laugh when you've lost the game, but it's got to that point now where you got to. But you got to laugh, mate. <laughs> and, Paul, and Paul Merson's on Sky Sports, and he's like. Uh, critiquing, shall we say, the Hoff and said he's he's about eight foot nine and fell over at the slightest touch, and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I get basically saying he's rubbish. Uh, <laughs> kind of uh, sums everything up, I think. Oh, well, we had our, we had our hopes raised, for, you know, briefly in, in the week. There was it was a decent result up at Birmingham. Again, though, I mean, I, I wasn't around. For, I've been away for a few days, so I'm going on on reports. But it sounds like that was a close run thing as well, where we've we've edged it. This today, we, it's a close run thing where we've lost it. Um, I guess that the hope is and the aim is that we keep it tight and that we win just enough to get us out of that bottom three, um, you know, bottom third position. Um, you know, it, it's it's tight as tight can be at the bottom there. It's going to be between us, Brighton, and possibly Rotherham, and even Fulham are not not far off the um, the bottom slot. So there is much to be played for yet. So I, I'm not quite yet at the um, you know hanging myself from the uh, from the bedroom door type of um, situation. But you just can't see where these goals are going to come from, Glenn. No, but then that's been a problem for the last few seasons, and uh, where we got lucky last time was where we had Jacket picking up a couple of sort of strikers from the Premier League. I think yeah. I mentioned that last time and he, he had a good sense of the uh, of the loan system. Uh, Ian Holloway signed the Hoff. So, <laughs> compare and contrast, <laughs> compare and contrast. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying as you, I'm not really down and out yet. It's, it's not looking good, but it's not, we're not where Blackpool or Wigan are, say, where it's, you know, 10 points. No, they they look to, totally adrift. I do agree. We we still have a chance. We we you know we we have to keep it tight and we have to somehow get a goals whether it comes in off of Alan Dunn's backside or um, any other or as it did last week off of um, the Hoff's um, knee or wherever it went in. It went in by hook or by crook. That's what we're going to have to aim at. I've got a fantastic post quote here from um, Ian Holloway. I mean, there's one thing that he does do um, uh, gives us material to work with. He says that Leeds pressed in all the right areas, Glenn, so we changed our shape a little bit. I'm gutted not to get a point. And there's a riposte here from a bloke called Sticky Mint. He says, maybe if we pressed in all the right areas, we might be a little bit more successful. Yeah, I, no, I, <laughs> That's no, true, isn't it? It's, it's, I kind of agree with this, though. It feels like we, we, we sit back and we try and break on the attack. Why don't we just try and go for it? 
you know, uh, we've got to that, we're at that point now where we're not quite desperate, but we don't look horrific when we go forward. There is, we do create chances at the minute. Yeah, well, yeah. We've gone from one on target to about three or four. So, you know, things are getting better. Well, that's the step forward he's describing, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether we have it within us to really go for it. I, we, we show no signs of capability of going for it. We we are now geared up entirely to, you know, the counterpunch, to, to soaking up um, as best we can the pressure, and that would involve a fair measure of luck, it strikes me. And then hopefully somehow, by some uh, act of divine intervention, we, we get a golden somehow... That gets us the, the three points. It's it's that's coming down to plan A, plan B, and plan Z. I think that's it. Yeah, I think I've, I just think of like to uh, to quote Wayne Gretzky, the ice hockey player. Yeah. Um, he said that you miss one hundred percent of the chances you don't take, and that's what I feel about our <laughs> our, our club. It's it, our striking ability. It's like we need to start shooting, like to shoot from outside the box, have a go. I mean, when. Uh, when that Paris Cowan Hall fella came on, yeah, is uh, is uh, one probably appearance of the season. <laughs> no, it was actually like having a shot from left, right, and centre, and you're like, that's what I like to see, like a bit of confidence. Yeah, know, well, I mean, it's going to take one mistake from the keeper, and we haven't know. we haven't had much luck. I mean, he, I thought he looked a, a good quality player. Certainly had willingness to to um, get stuck in. That seems to have cost him with the injury. I was watching on um, on the official site. I don't know if you saw it. There was a they had a local boxer, Ricky Ricky Boylan, I think his name is. He came in to do a bit of training with Carlos Edwards and, and Paris Cow and Hall. And um, they showed them both working on the the gloves. You know, um, so kind of boxing punching moves. And Carlos, uh, I think clearly is a very, very nice guy and didn't really have much conviction behind his punches. You can just tell he's, he's not, you know, violence is um, make love and not war type of guy. You just get this kind of sense that that's, that's his thing. Paris Cowan Haller looks like the typical little guy that really does have a punch on him, you know. And um, I just thought that interesting because he, he's, he's won twos and, you know, he was really looking sharp in boxing terms, looking sharp. And when he did play for those forty odd minutes or whatever it was that we we saw him for in that the game a few weeks back, he did, he did have that kind of nippy aggressiveness to him. And I, I thought that's a quality we've lacked all season. Yeah, I think, uh, and I know I upset quite a lot of uh, our fans when I say this, but you know, I I am not the, a massive Fabrini fan. I saw more in Cowan Hall in his appearance than I have in Fabrini in that he was going forward, he stood up, you know, pushing players over. When they were trying to put a tackle in, when he was running down the ring, that I, uh, the ring, the wing, the wing, yeah, uh, <laughs> so as Jonathan Ross there, uh, you know it, that that I find exciting when and uh, he could put a, he put, could put a cross in as well, and you know that's where I think Fabrini lacks. He's got a lot of talent, but no end products. I think I'm sorry, all fans. I know you're all pretty like shouting obscenities at me at the minute for saying that, but no, that. no. I mean, you and me had a little online um, debate the other the other night on on that very subject, and. I, I get where you're going with it. I, I do appreciate that talent taken to its ultimate point goes up its own arse, and I, and there's an argument that's where Fabrini's going. He's, he's, he's keeping the ball, and he's you know he's taking one player on too many, and you know the, the, the kind of uh, magic of the end product isn't isn't there. But you, as I think I said in one of my commentaries, it is like an artist with um, a group of um, you know grunt labourers in front of him. He, who can he pass to? Who can who can recreate what he can do? So. I take the point. I take the point, but still, to see some quality in the in the side is a is is something of a refreshing, um, you know. Yeah, no, I don't. Thing. Think I did say that. I don't. I don't hate him or think he's a bad player. I just um, have some certain issues with him, and 
I had some Watford fans tweet me and said that was their problem with him is that he did a lot of stuff with the ball, but there was no end product, and that's a lot better team than than we are. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, that's so for sure. That's why I I can see why he's not in their squad. Uh, but he's certainly like you know enjoyable to watch. But again, I question if that's what we really need at the minute. But Holloway says there were some chances today, but we couldn't quite convert them. We need to repeat these performances at the den. Now that, that's that has been pulled up by people after him on on that. I, I think there's a certain tendency. And I'm I'm doing it even myself here now that you're hanging on every single word that Ian Holloway says in order to take the piss out of it, and he does lay it on a plate for you uh, all too often. Uh, I don't quite get what performances we're trying to recreate when we just got beat one nil away from home. But yeah, but again, you know why? Why can't he? We can all see the Hoff is awful. So what does <laughs> what does he see to keep playing him to start him? I don't, and then buy him a couch as well. I mean, now does the bloke deserve any? Yeah, the couch, sense? the couch. Let's, let's yeah. move on to the couch because we we need a bit of light relief on on, on a day like this. Um, there was a story in the week that um, uh, the the Hoff apparently in his flat somewhere, I guess, located on the outskirts of Bromley, Stroke Beckenham, or some place like that, lacked a sofa. He had no sofa in his flat. I, 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 I struggle with this whole thing. I mean, you can go to any any local DFS and pick up a sofa, and that seems to be what um, the conversation was um, about. Holloway says it's a funny thing. Instead of asking me nicely, he was abrupt and Austrian. <laughs> What's abrupt and Austrian? Um, but we made a joke out of it, and he acquired this sofa, which didn't look all that um, flamboyant. A sofa. I don't know what you made of it in terms of soft furnishing, Glenn. Are, are you? A, are you? A, do you have a view on soft furnishings at all, mate? Uh, I can't say that I'm a, a <laughs> expert, so you won't see when the Antiques Roadshow anytime soon, particularly uh, sofas and uh, and whatnot. But uh, but suffice to say, the Hoff got his sofa. Yeah, I, well, at least he got something, I suppose. But it's, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm finding I'm struggling to find words to be honest with you because it's actually making me quite angry at the minute thinking about it. Uh, I've got some words here. I've got Marquis. I've got Anya Dinma, Graben and Izali McLeod, Marvin Elliott even all scored today. They're all names from Millwall past. I mean, obviously, Marquis and Anya Dinma are still on our books. Um, scoring goals with uh, some freedom, Marquis, is five in seven now, I think, down at Gillingham. Well, I know it, this is League Two, I believe they're in, aren't they? They're not in League uh, One. I think they're in League One, aren't they? Now? Are they in League One? Um, you know, clearly, he's, he's, he's a first-choice player at Gillingham at the moment. And he seems to be responding to it. And then he's become a bit of a joke figure at the den. But there he is scoring goals in, in a, a level that's only just below where we are. Would you would you pull him back? Would you I mean would you would you have him back at the den in, in the current situation, Glenn? I have um again, like I think my views tend to be quite different from the majority view. Some people do agree with me. I have always liked Marquis. I think there's something about him, and I think we've held back his career. He gets um a couple of games, gets dropped. Gets put on loan, gets called back, has a good game, gets dropped, put on loan. How, yeah. is, that, how is anyone supposed to find any consistency as a striker? Uh, you know, you look at someone, you know, I was talking about this on Twitter a minute ago. You know, you had Richard Sadia, everyone said he wasn't good enough. And then, you know, one of our best players, yeah, best strikers, uh, Steve Morrison, uh, didn't score for quite a while before we started knocking them in. Apparently he was on fire today. He was he was looking more dangerous than has been seen in years. You know, playing us, which I guess is always going to be the way it works out when you're playing your old club. You want to want to settle a point, don't you? Yeah, apparently he was uh, he was a uh, one on one with Fordy and Dunny made a sort of a spectacular tackle. Yeah, it's um it's an interesting interesting situation with Marquis. I 
I'm not sure I know what to make of it, really. So, I mean, he was recalled out of nowhere. I mean, this is one of the madhouse things that we, we've endured this season. Recalled out of nowhere for the away game to Norwich on, on Boxing Day, of course. And by all accounts, in, a, in, in, in the context of a 6-1 slaughtering, um, didn't do so badly up there um, on the wing. Um, and there's then just been, you know, gone again. I mean, you, you do wonder what the issue is there. What You know, you either the club sees something in him and wants him or... Maybe now this is the you know they've let him go, but there he is scoring five goals out of seven. It it's a, it's a most odd situation, I think. Well, my my question would be: Have you actually seen Marquis have a bad game? All right, he might not have scored goals, but I've never seen him put in a bad performance. It gives you effort. It will give yeah, you effort. And, yeah. And at, at the moment, I would take that over what I see from the Hoff. I'd rather have effort and commitment to trying to get something rather than falling over and sort of walking around like a lost giraffe. At, that's escaped from London Zoo. So, Millwall halfway line on Twitter says there's no need to panic. Still plenty of football to be played this season, but we'll simply not stay up with a goal scorer. And I think that's that's probably the summary of today's um, today's events and uh, quite a few other uh, games this season. No, we won't stay up without a goal scorer. It depends really how much it's going to hurt the club to go down, doesn't it? I mean, it seems to be that um, either we can't sign. Um, People really simply won't come to me, or, or we simply won't pay the money required to to bring them in. Probably a bit of both, I guess. Who knows? I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to at the minute. Uh, I think we might see a lot come out yeah. of it in the next uh, year or so. There just something doesn't seem right, in my opinion. No, people coming. Uh, I don't. I mean, why would if you're going to choose someone who's not playing first team football, are they really going to turn it down? I can't really believe that just because it's Millwall. Uh, you know, we've had some, I mean, you know, for Christ's sake, we've had like Harry Kane down here when we were in a relegation battle. Uh, it was the fella before that we had uh, the season before. Chris, Chris Woods, with a Chris Woods, yep. Kane. Um, you, you do, it, it does fascinate me, this idea that players won't come to Millwall. I mean, from a Premier League, if, if, if Premier clubs won't release them for whatever reason, then you can't. You can't odds that. I mean, there was a... Did I read something by Holloway in the week where he said that he's been after a couple of Chelsea prospects and they they won't um, release them to championship clubs for some reason. Um, I, I find that odd because you're better off playing first-team football and scoring goals than playing in the, the Premier League under-21s. But equally, that's now seen perhaps as a valid and viable way that you bring your, your talent through in the in the Premier League under-21 competition. I, I don't know. It does surprise me. And other clubs seem to be able to find players that can score goals. I mean, you mentioned Blackpool earlier on. You know, they've scored four. <laughs> I mean, we'd give our right arms for two of those goals at the moment, wouldn't we? Yeah, and they're scoring against good teams. They've scored two against Watford. OK, they lost 7-2 in the end, but they still scored two goals against Watford, who were a good side. They yeah. scored goals against Forest, who are not... I mean, they lost against us. They must be not the best team in the world but uh we are struggling because of goals that is the only you know i, I can honestly say I, I i'm happy with the team that we've kind of got at the minute if we could find someone to score goals it doesn't even necessarily need to be a striker we could get a a midfielder who scores goals you know like an alex ray or a tim cahill used to well now you now, you, now you're setting me dreaming of, of days gone past there yeah. there glenn i tell you mate um i mean big week big week coming up we've got a game against fulham is it next saturday uh, Fulham at home, and then uh, is it Sheffield Wednesday after that? I, I, on, on, there's a midweek game, isn't there, on, on the Tuesday night? Yeah, they're, they're fast becoming our... But I think now that we've beaten Birmingham, I think Sheffield Wednesday might be our bogey team now. Yeah. Um, so huge, huge... You know, I think if we can't get anything out of those two games, it does start to look increasingly bleak bit by bit. Um, 
it's you know to, to stage a second great escape like we did last season. I think is going to be a tall order based on what we're seeing at the moment. Um, interesting that Wolford went close again today. Apparently he had a, a chance and and was featured in 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 proceedings. Um, and he was on the brink of joining Leeds at one point, but seems to have you know turned it turned opinion round slightly. So he, he stays on. I, mean, I I personally quite like Martin Wolford. I think he always gives you. You know, hundred percent of what he's got to give. Anyway, I think uh, we're we're quite a fickle bunch, aren't we? So the fact that there were some issues and apparently he wanted to go, so we all hated him. Now yeah. he's back in the team. We want to see him do well again. Yeah, but uh, I mean, the second half picked up a lot from Gregory coming on. Uh, he was involved in pretty much anything that was exciting or looked like we might score. Yeah, uh, obviously, I'm going on again from what I've heard. So, yeah, from, yeah. On country, so but again, he's not really been playing for us. He needs time to to fit back in so opportunity looming soon for anyone interested to go and meet the first team squad they're having an open training day at the den uh, on the on the 17th actually that's that's next week isn't it on I'm, Tuesday, I'm tempted to go because I want to see what the hell we do in training. I'm wondering what it might be interesting just to go along. Uh, gates open from 10 a.m. at the den at, at Zampa Road uh, and the training session itself begins at 10:30 a.m. promptly. Uh, if you're a season ticket holder and an MSC member or junior lion, um, you're invited to attend for free on production of your valid uh, ticket or membership card. It would be interesting to go along there, Glenn, wouldn't it? I, I can't get along there because of work, unfortunately, and the need to be a wage slave. But it would be an interesting sight just to see what actually does take place on the on the training ground. Yeah, I mean, my big issues are what you know, what do we do from set pieces? Because our set piece taking is absolutely atrocious. It's some of the worst I've ever seen. We don't, can't seem to beat a, a first man at a corner. Yeah. Seems to take a decent free kick. I, I honestly wonder what, what we do in those situations. That would be my biggest. It's quite a brave choice because, I mean, you know, it's a training session, but the fact you've invited the public in to, um, to watch and, and the, the, the temptation to offer advice as to what should be should be being <laughs> done, like working on um, set pieces, for example, um, would be quite quite tempting, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think uh, I think Holloway probably gets quite a lot of advice from the uh, <laughs> from the West lower lower during. The I game think he does. Matter. So the sign after the uh, training sessions over, you can go and get the autographs of your heroes, the stars of the Mills scene, including Michael Tong on loan from Leeds, Diogo Fabrini on loan from Watford, uh, Josh Huivel on loan from uh, Southampton, is it? <laughs> and Stefan Meyerhofer on loan from fuck knows where. Um, so yeah, if you fancy it, it, go, it finishes at twelve noon on Tuesday morning. And I think it's quite a brave step in all in all seriousness. I think um, to have an open training session always is always fraught with danger. But it'd be interesting if anyone does go and wants to talk to us afterwards. I'd be interested to know exactly what does take place at a mill training session. Valentine's Day, Glenn. We're going to close this section of the show. It's, it's been a tough one to um, to do today. Let's close out on a wonderful Valentine's Day message in in the Southwark News from. Uh, I believe someone on the House of Fun website it says the roses are nice, but they soon become weeds. I can't be with you Saturday. I'm with Mill at Leeds. Sorry, love, you know the rules. Mill kid's wife in that order. I think that's that's pros. You know that, that, that's the highest level, isn't it? That's that, that should win a prize, English language prize. Yeah, I think he tailed off a little bit at the end there. Didn't he? <laughs> yeah. It deconstructed. <laughs> it deconstructed the concept. Of what a poem is. It, it, you know, it's taken the whole. Does it have to rhyme thing and just pursued it to the the nth degree? No, it doesn't have to rhyme. It can just jumble up into anything you like. So well done, that mystery poet, whoever you are. Uh, I think you will know who it is on on, on the House of Fun. A fantastic piece in the in the Southwark News this week. Oh well, there we are, Glenn. Tough tough week ahead. Um, 
I wish we could talk about some hopeful signs. I, I, it's, it's hard to see where the hope's coming from, mate, isn't it? Fulham will be a big test because they're not doing the best. Our home form isn't great. Yeah. But I am seeing signs of improvement. It's way too late, realistically. I mean, Holloway had the entire of pre-season to do all this. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm confident in our defence. And uh, if we can just nick a goal here or there, because we, are, we have been doing it in the last couple of games, who knows? If Brighton keep falling away, there's well, still hope. And let's face it, let's be honest, let's be quite honest. We've overachieved the last few years, staying in this division and FA Cup semi-finals and whatnot. We've we've pretty well overachieved for a team that has no money. So um, no money and no no obvious management structure. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, Glenn. Really appreciate you stepping into the breach this week, mate. Many many thanks. Right. Um, we'll speak again soon, no doubt. Let's hope in happier circumstances. Yeah, positive new attitude, mate. Like it. Achtung, Mailball. Couple of online reviews of yesterday's game that caught my eye, listeners. First one up on the House of Fun by the York Lion. Uh, he says, living in York for 16 years, I have never gone to a Leeds versus Millwall game. Today was the first. I sat in the home end painfully and didn't enjoy the match. We huffed and puffed, but lacked real quality in the final third. Defensively, we were excellent and rarely looked troubled, which is interesting. Um, the Hoff had a couple of positions in the first half, but he was wasteful. Lee Gregory looked good and interested when he came on. We looked solid, we just lacked creativity. Robbie Ryan's number one fan, also speaking on Hoff, um, and regarding our lack of goal-scoring firepower, says, Look at it this way. We can play two ineffective strikers and four in midfield, meaning we don't create many chances. Or we can have one ineffective striker supported by two or three attacking midfielders who might create and score a few chances between them and have two other midfield midfielders dedicated def- to defending. Pretty obvious choice, if you ask me. What we should be asking is, who is our most effective of our ineffective strikers to play as the one up front? Uh, speaking there, obviously, of the contrast between a 4-4-2 approach, which um, has been tried a couple of times this season with, with no great spectacular results, as against the 4-2-3-1 formation that leaves, at the moment, the Hoff as the, as the sole striker. And as Robbie's asking there, is, the question really is whether Hoff is the best choice for that role. Um, DA16, regarding the Hoff, says he's terrible. He can't jump, he doesn't head, doesn't know what to do with it at his feet, and gets beat by centre-backs who are two foot smaller than him. Don't get me wrong, DA16 says, I hope he scores off his arse, off his chest, off his elbow. But it'll never fall a scout watching him for the opposition. Very true indeed. Um, the Let the Good Times Roll is a nice post. I like this one on the House of Fun. Um, Let the Good Times Roll asks, was anyone really expecting something from today? He says, Leeds away is a virtual graveyard for us uh, these days. Plus, they weren't in bad form. So even a draw was optimistic for us. The next two matches are very important. At least four points are needed in order to build some confidence. We're talking about Fulham at home on Saturday and Sheffield Wednesday on midweek uh, on the Tuesday. Um, A regular win here and there will be enough to see us clear even if they are interspersed with these sorts of defeats as at Leeds yesterday. And finally, in reply, Gaza um, on the House of Fun says, the last four away games in the league have all ended at 1-0, with two wins and two defeats. Keep that up, i.e. win 1-0, lose 1-0. And Gaza says we'll stay up. Interesting point. Let's hope so, Gaza. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. All right, welcome back after the break. 
big welcome there to our listed lion, Lord Kitchener, Mark Harding. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hello, Nick. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, really appreciate you doing this, mate. Now, um, you and me have known each other for a couple of years, one way or the other. Um, I I always follow your uh, posts on on the House of Fun website with a lot of interest. I I, uh, I don't want to, you know, um, flatter you here, mate, but um, I, I always rate your opinion quite highly. Now, would it be fair and... You know, take from from your own take. I've written down here that Mark, not not Ian Holloway's greatest fan. I mean, would that be a fair summary of you, of your position? Uh, well, not necessarily. I mean, it's not that I'm not his greatest fan. I think he'd be good for the football club, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're in the results business, and his results so far don't impress me. Um, I've talked I've talked to the man, and he's very very infectious. You can see why he gets the jobs he does. Yeah. and why he's convinced the ball to give him the money and to spend and, you know, to put faith in him. You can see that. He's yeah. a very, very infectious man just talking to him. And you definitely buy into him just when you when you listen to him talk. Um, but, you know, you come back to last season. I mean, we, people talk about this eight-game unbeaten run last season. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I, I know it was one of the things I picked up on. I mean, that, that's that's kind of been... For many people, that, that eight-game run and the, the great escape, as they've called it, um, was kind of like the justification for the, the crap that's kind of laying on either side of that, that run, in a sense. But you've got your own views on that. that, um, that yeah, I fun. have. And at the end of the day, the way I look at it is this. When we were in trouble last year, we didn't beat any of the bottom six sides around us. Um, I came away from Barnsley last year with one nil defeat, and it was an absolute shambles. Um, you know, it was really poor. And then the defeat of Birmingham just after, and I, I honestly thought we were gone then. Yeah. Um, you know, credit the man there because we, we have stayed up. But when you have a look at it and you looked into it a little bit deeper, we played Wigan away on a Tuesday night just before they had a semi-final. They yeah. made nine changes. Yeah. If they hadn't made them nine changes, would they have beaten us? Probably. You know, we played Queen's Park Rangers last game of the season. They are yeah. already in the playoffs. If they'd have sent out a full side, would they have beaten us? Yes, probably. Yeah. You know, Bournemouth would confirm not in the playoffs uh, the week before they played us. If they'd have needed the points to get into the playoffs, playoffs, would they have beaten us? Yeah, probably. So, you know, when you look at it like that and you actually break it down and analyse it, there's a fair chance that them eight games unbeaten wouldn't have happened. No. You know, and we started off the season, we played Leeds, and who were in turmoil, and it was the worst Leeds performance I've ever seen of Barrett, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, credit to our team, we beat them 2 0, but it's our biggest game of the season, we're up for that, you know, and, yeah. and we win now. We went to Fulham, who ultimately didn't win for nine, ten games, whatever it was, and, and on the day, Fulham had chances, you know, if they'd have put their chances away, we could have lost that game. Having said that, we had chances ourselves to increase it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, with them Sheffield Wednesday, we got a decent draw there. And then the Rotherham game, it was just, it, I looked at what we're trying to do, which was play the one up top and get players amongst the, the centre forward with the knockdowns and things like that. Yeah. Rotherham did exactly that. Yeah. They got players around their centre forward and they beat us and we didn't have a shot at goal. And to me, then I looked at it and I thought to myself, what's changed from last season? Nothing. We're playing exactly the same way with the same players and a same style of football. If it continues in this vein, will it get any better? Well, I didn't think so. No. And, you know, ultimately, I've been proved right. And I don't like to be proved right because at the end of the day, I'm a Millwall fan and I want us to do well. You know, the Rotherham game's an interesting one because um, 
I, I, you know, when Holloway arrived, he arrived with great fanfare, and he was he was quite um, uh, stubborn on on this idea that we were going to pass our way out of trouble. Um, oh. And you know, credit to him, and that's what he stuck to. Um, and I think we did pass our way out of trouble, despite the, you know the the, the various um, things you've just said about the weakened oppositions that we were playing towards the end of the season. But we did keep to that principle and, um, you know, as much as some of us had our doubts as to whether we had the squad for it, we've, we maintained that. But increasingly as this season has gone along, we've we've fallen, I don't know whether we've fallen between two stools really, we still seem to set ourselves up as a passing style side, but we're reverting back to Rotherham style tactics, which were far more direct, Mark, weren't they? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, um, I think sometimes now I don't. I'm not so sure that we've actually got the players to play the play the passing game. No, certainly I don't think we did before Christmas. Um, you had Scott McDonald, who I think is a really good footballer, and you can understand watching the games why people picked him as their man of the match. But when you look what he did, was he effective? No, he wasn't because mm. all he did was pick up the ball on the halfway line between the halfway line and the penalty area, and he was passing it around now. If you're going to hurt teams, you've got to hurt them in their penalty area. Yeah. And yeah. we weren't doing that. Yeah. You know, we played some good football. There's no question we played some good football, but we didn't play no good football in the final third. And that's where you hurt teams. You know, teams are happy to let you have the ball on the halfway line. They'll set up two banks of four behind that or whatever they do, and they'll let you have it. But you've got to hurt teams in the final third. And the fact that we've never addressed the, uh, the centre-forward issue and got a decent player in... And one thing that really, really I can't understand, Holloway throughout the summer maintained that his main target was uh, Matt Smith of Leeds. Yeah. And yeah. what really, you know, he goes to Fulham for £500,000. Are you seriously telling us that we didn't bid £500,000 for Holloway's main target? You know, if he goes to Fulham because over Millwall because of the wages, yeah, you hold your hands up and you, you yeah, understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, not... Not the fee, surely. You no, know, I just don't understand that. No, there's a there's a lot that don't add up. That's that's for sure. We'll probably come back to some of these points as we go through the um, the listed lines questions. You are our listed line, Mark. You're probably around about the same era as myself, so um, we'll probably um, you know we we'll probably both know the kind of eras we're talking about here. But I want to kick off with your your name, Mark Harding. Non de plume. You're known as Lord Kitchener online. Yeah. Um, what was your Lord Kitchener's a calypso singer, I think, of the 1950s, he was, he was and too, also yeah. um, Field Marshal. The pub I drink in. The pub I drink in, and the name Kitchener, obviously, is associated with Millwall. Barry, and, yeah, you yeah. know, he, he was one of my all-time favourites as well, Barry Kitchener. And it, it was just nicked, really. From it was, it was that. It just seemed to fit. It's a pub that I drink in, right? And you know, mates would have known me through that pub. Um, and, and both so you know that's where I nick the name from basically well I might insert a little touch of Calypso in there just to just to get, <laughs> just get that in there as we go through London is a good place for me London this lovely city you can go to France or America India Asia or Australia but you must come back to London city um, okay, age, you're, 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 you're 50 something, I'm taking it, Mark? Yeah, mid 50s. Mid 50s, yeah. mate. Um, based, I believe, in Welling. Um, That's right. What was your first Millwall game, Mark? When was the first time you went to Millwall? Ah, right, okay. Uh, I'm an Acme boy. Um, yeah. Uh, I moved out of there when I was 10 and moved over to the Sea Cup. 
uh, obviously grew up in Hackney. And basically, when we were kids, um, from the age of seven, you was basically left to your own devices to do whatever you like. So um, those of a certain age will remember the old Red Bus Rover ticket. Yeah, I do. Play. I do. So um, <laughs> during the, on a Saturday, I would look in the newspapers and see who was playing football and if I could go and get in and, you know, if, if you could bunk in, all the better. Yeah. Um, you, you, so... At the end of the day, I bought a red bus rover ticket and we were at home to Dundee in a pre-season friendly. Right. So off I went with my red bus rover ticket and went to Millwall. Right. Unfortunately, I ended up in the place Millwall and nowhere <laughs> near the football ground. So, On the island. Um, with a bit of advice from the bus driver and a few people along the way, I eventually turned up at half time. Right. Um, as far as I remember, I think they won the game 8 0 Millwall. 8 0. Um, they played Dundee a couple of seasons on the spin, I've looked up now since. Right. Um, I'm not sure which season I was at. I'm sure it was 68, 67, 68, wow. something like that. And um, I remember sitting on the uh, halfway line terrace towards the cold blow lane ending, blazing hot sunshine. Yeah. Um, I, on the way out, I found a programme on the bus and <laughs> an old boy giving me a rosette. Um, when I got indoors, my mum gave me a clump because she didn't know where I got the money from. I thought I'd make the stuff. That was my first game. But my first season, proper season, was um, 75 76. Oh, right, the third division promotion season. Golden, that would have been it. Yeah. Golden Jay goes blue and white army. What a season, it, yeah. what a season um, that was, I Mark. got involved. It was literally. Um, I didn't really go to football very much. Um, I just used to go and watch games of football. Yeah, yeah. And I never really followed a proper team at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, you watch football, whatever was on television, match of the day, etc. Yeah. But it was through a girlfriend. Um, all their family were all, all season ticket holders. Right. And basically, they used to go. And I went to away games more than I went to home games, to be honest with you, because it was sort of like a day out, and I went with them, and they yeah. took me. And yeah. uh, I remember going to Mansfield, to Wolves, to Blackpool, um, places like that. And obviously, the one I do remember, obviously, was a Swindon, the end of the season game. Yeah, the promotion. 2-0, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Yeah, and then uh, went over to, I remember, I think... Uh, was it Palace that season as well? Did Peter Taylor miss the penalty? Yeah, yeah, that was a nil-nil draw, Milvey Palace. Yeah. yeah, and then it was a very strange game at the end of the season where um, we needed Palace not to win, and they were playing Chesterfield. I seem I to. Went to that. Did you go there too? Because yeah. <laughs> that was full of Millwall fans, and I don't think Chesterfield have ever had such a fat, you know, a large-scale away following. Um, no one yeah. knew the names of the players, but they got got behind Chesterfield and they, they pulled off. It was a nil-nil draw, and that was us up. That was it. Yeah, strange um, night. Yeah, that was, that was probably my first season now. Right. And then uh, after that, uh, me and the girlfriend split up and um, I found that the friends I was at school with, they was all going to Millwall. Right. So, because um, I've been to a few away games, I said, yeah, come on, let's start going away games. And basically, um, for a good few years after that, it was home and away every week. We'd very rarely missing any games at all. Different era, Mark, wasn't it? Different era where you could just, um, on, a, on, a, on a fancy, just go off and watch... Anyone yeah. you fancied, Arsenal, you know, I mean, the kids from my state would follow Arsenal, um, Charlton, um, less Palace, it was just more awkward to get to, but it was very much around ease of ease of access, you get the Charlton as easy as you get the Millwall, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you yeah know. I didn't go there, mind, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't blame no, you. Don't blame it was really, once I started going, it was, it was a bug, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've often said, like... Um, 
say if I followed somebody like Arsenal or someone like that, I probably would have never got married because I'd have just spent all my money following them around Europe <laughs> and God knows what else because that was the way I followed Millwall, you know, I followed them everywhere and that was it, you know. And the good thing was, was that sort of every other Saturday you met up with 200 blokes that you didn't know the name of, but you was on speaking terms to, and they were your brothers, they were your mates, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was it, it was great, and it was, you know, different times, different era, and uh, lots of shenanigans, lots of things went on. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you lived for them weekends, you know. I think that's it. It was, it was the buzz of the weekend. It's, it, do you still find you get that buzz at the weekend? I mean, obviously, different, you know, different stage of life now. But do you still get excited to go to Millwall? Um, at the moment, no. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Say, to be honest with you, the last two, three seasons. I mean, I've been a season ticket holder for bunkies years. Yeah. And to be honest, it, we, we we even say amongst ourselves a third crowd that I go with now. It's more of a chore than it is an enjoyment. You know, you're going every week in the hope that the corner will turn right, you know, and things will happen. But I think the way that the money's gone in football now, you know, in our art of arts, we know that we really can't compete. We don't know that. No. But you just hope, you know, you just hope that you have that one season. And when you see the likes of Bournemouth, Brentford and things like that, and even Burnley last year when they went up, or the season before, whenever it was, you know, you, you just think to yourself, could it be our season? And all it needs is... Uh, you know, a set of players to click. And the last set of players that we had that really could have clicked and really could have kicked on, I personally think the biggest ever loss to Norwood Football Club was Richard Tadlier. Yeah. Because I think yeah. if he just stayed fit um, the season that we, he went out for his injury, just yeah. put in the Ireland squad, yeah. I think we'd have gone up. I yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. He was an immense player. He became an immense yeah. player, didn't he? In that, yeah. um, it was when he was teamed up with Claridge as the front two. Um, yeah. Fantastic season, and he really improved because when he first began, he was. Um, no, it was he a... used to give him dogs abuse, even though he's a young boy, and I think that's disgraceful. That's one of the things that sort of like you don't, you know. One thing I say, I mean, I'll go online and I'll say my piece or whatever. Yeah. But at games, I can't understand anybody slagging players off because it don't help. Certainly don't help that player. It ain't going to improve him any, any is it? You know, um, no. certainly if his teammates hear it as well, it ain't going to make them want to make the effort. You know, I think it's, it's a strange thing, and we're just going off 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 track a little bit here. But it's an interesting point because it is a it is a Millwall thing. I, I, I'm not aware of it so much at other <laughs> other clubs. I, I don't go that often, so I can't really guarantee you that. But we do seem to specialise in um, abusing our own players, don't we? And it's, that's been so for many years, Mark. Yeah, I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we expect a certain level, you know. A, a, the Danny and Gesson thing is a prime example. I mean, you know, when you don't make an effort, then yeah. you're going to get dogs abuse. And it don't matter what colour you are, no. and, you know. And this is this is one thing I always level at other people. Whenever you tell anybody that you're a Millwall fan, they look at you, you know, especially if you're sort of out and about, they look at you and straight away they go, oh. And you go, what? What am I? I'm a racist. I'm yeah. a footballer. Yeah. What am I? Because yeah. I've got preconceptions. Yeah. And then when you tell them that our last four players of the years have been black and Irish, they yeah. go, yeah, but, you know, and I go, well, there ain't no yeah, but. I said, look, it's simple. Anyone who don't wear a blue shirt, we don't like you. It's as simple <laughs> as that. That's your wall. We don't like anybody that's not wearing our shirt. It's as simple as that. And I said, you know, you don't know what colour you are you know, where you come from or whatever, if you've got a Millwall shirt on, we'll support you. But if you don't give us what we expect and, you know, you don't provide us with what we expect from you, which is effort at least, yeah. then you're going to get sick. 
you know, and I think uh, I think that's just the way it is, you know. Well, I think Jim, Jimmy Abdu is probably the classic example of who we will love because yeah. they give you 120% in every game. And, you know, you and me can talk about his limited game in in, in a kind of a classic football sense. We all know yeah. that he's, he's not a pass or the ball. But, Jesus, I mean, that man don't stop, does he? And no, he doesn't. And, I mean, he's, he's one of the examples that I would have actually given. You know, he definitely is. He is 100%. Yeah. You go back to the sort of um, 70s and you have Phil Walker. I mean, he was, he was another one. He'd give yeah. you everything all the time, like, you know, and... Uh, Trevor Lee as well, to a certain extent, who was a slightly, he was a different player. But yeah. I mean, Walker, he would be, you know, he would leave everything on the pitch for you, you know. And that, that's why Millwall fans take to players, you know. You look at all the people that they like and all the ones that become heroes, they're not great footballers. No. Uh, you know, when you have a look at the likes of Harry Critch, Kitchener, Rhino, Erlock, uh, to a certain extent, yeah. they're not brilliant footballers. But they give you everything that they've got. No, they're, they're honest, honest professionals in that yeah. sense, aren't they? Yeah. CBL halfway line seats or the Alderson Road end, Mark? Where did you used to stand at the old ground? Oh, CBL just above CBL. the crossbar. Just above yeah. the crossbar. <laughs> just above the crossbar. Yeah, we was doing um, sort of waist level with a crossbar, so you can see over the top of it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was it. That was my first thing. I remember walking up there the first time and. Sort of looking, looking around the ground and thinking, what a bloody hell! Thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you see football grounds on the television that you'd seen, right? And in it, and more often than not, it was the bigger clubs. That you yeah, saw. yeah, yeah. And you sort of walked in there, you had a look round, and you sort of, you know, why haven't they finished that stand there? You take it to that city, sort of thing. And you look over the back, yeah, you the dog with a dog, dog track, track the yeah, that. yeah. And um, yeah, but I mean, once you were there. And, you know, the crowds weren't massive. And so it was the same people week in and week out, you know. And everybody stood there, you know, everyone together. Yeah. And you could hear other people's jokes and things like that. And, uh, yeah, it was just all the camaraderie of it all, you know. And um, it was made all the better when people actually tried to come in there as well. Other fans, I remember Chelsea getting in there in the old 77 Yeah, game. the big game of the all season. All sorts of chaos and things being thrown about. <laughs> um, Swansea made an effort one year and got absolutely battered. And I mean, that's, <laughs> that was part of it. And it's all, you know, them days are, them days are gone, but they are missed. And at the end of the day, I mean... Did, were they really that much harmful? You know, I just don't understand, you know. No. At the end of the day, they hang this uh, thing about football really guns on people. But, I mean, other countries, they have their street games and things like that, you know. Yeah. And that's only the same thing, but in a different format. That's all it is. You get them everywhere, and that's, that's just the way of life. It's an interesting point. I mean, I was up at Forest last well, a couple of weeks ago now, isn't it? and, you know, you, you're right. The amount of effort and police time that goes into filming people at football grounds, you know, it's almost on a kind of, um, like they're chasing terrorists or something, you know. Um, and, yeah, of course, you know, maybe sometimes one or two get a little bit out of line and, and you do need a, a certain level of stewarding and security. But it does amaze in this country the amount of time and police effort that goes into what is a comparatively small slice of, cr of criminal activity. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I think, personally, I mean, I think football supporters, especially our fans, I think we get treated appallingly. Um, I remember being at Man City a few years ago when, uh, uh, I think it was the 3-0 game, the last one, where we absolutely took a hell of a load, of, uh, hell of a load up there. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. we had a really big firm up there that day. Yeah. But I remember there were, uh, lighters and coins and things coming over from the city section and then the old girl come piling down the stairs 
And the guy in front of me, they just smashed him straight over the head. And I had him under his arms. He was going down like, you know, like a cartoon does where they sway from side to side and yeah. sort of constantly repeat. Yeah. He was going down like that. And I had him under my arms. And I look at the copper and he's going, I mean, do you want some? And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah. you know? And you just think, you wouldn't do this to the general public. What are you doing? You know, and it, it, is, it is. We do get, get treated appallingly at football. There's no doubt about it. The Fulham this year was a, was a really good example of how to place a football match. They sent you to a good area of pubs and things like that. They yeah. all have a drink. Everyone was wandering around. No one was, you know, massively worse for wear. No. But it was a great atmosphere and a great day out and a really good day out of football. You know, and you couple that with something like when you go up north and I remember going up for the uh, Wigan playoff uh, semi-final um, a few years ago yeah, when we lost yeah. uh, 1-0 up yeah, there. Yeah. And coming out of that ground, you had the police saying, you know, turn left. And at the end of the turn left, you had a line of police on horses. You got there and they went, go the other way. And there's a line of police horses there. Then what <laughs> did they do? They just charged straight through the whole lot of us. Yeah. And you wonder why. And you think, right, all you needed to do is escort us to a station or wherever you Away from the ground, yeah. You know, if that's what you want to do. Um, But for all this nonsense, that's, that's just ridiculous. And then they wonder why people kick off. How does the new ground compare with the old one for you, Mark? New den uh, versus the old den, right? No, it doesn't, does it? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you, you know, you could... On certain days down at the new ground there, you could just lay out on the seats and fall a kick, couldn't you? <laughs> I've <laughs> tried that. <laughs> Some of the bloody dozens, you've had to watch this and you've got to find a shit and you just sit there and think, oh, fuck, I'll have a sleep. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, it's no comparison, really. I mean, the other place was an intimidating place to go. There's no question about it. Um, you know, but this season, I mean, you, you know... I just don't think. I think Millwall still can be an intimidating place to go. There's no no doubt about that. I mean, when it's full up and it's rocking, then yeah. it is a good place. And um, it can be intimidating for the other team. Certainly, I remember the other school playoff game where their players wouldn't come over and no, um, no. come over and take throw-ins, for example, or things like that. You know, I mean, and it was even mentioned, I think, on the telly. I think online. On that's right. Yeah. Mentioned it. yeah. You know, um, it, without a doubt, it can be an intimidating place, but no, it's not a patch on the old ground. I mean, that was just, wherever you went in the old ground, I remember certainly, for example, the Ipswich fans, when they put them in the cold blow lane, in, they get bashed up there, then they put them in the halfway line, they get bashed up there, put them in the um, other end of the track, ground, yeah, they get bashed yeah. up there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Basically, the message was, don't come in, wasn't it, really? <laughs> nah, I mean, what I don't understand now as well is that um, all this nonsense about teams can't have the bottom tier and things like that. I mean, well, if you if you have a look, if you've got a group of people behind the goal, they're in the top tier. Yeah. Um, you've got a group of people on the side of the thing. They ain't gonna bloody do some commander style balding across the bloody two stands. You got to go and, some. And, yeah. You know, if they want to swear and point at each other, then tell me that. Why you got to take people out? You know, I don't um, know. It's an intriguing thing. I mean, you know, often you, wherever you sit in the ground, you'll see the same thing. But there's, you know, there's chaps near me that are making gestures at the away fans, and you know, we all know yeah. what what gets done. But the amount of police interest that generates absolutely fascinates me because they'll all be sitting, uh, standing down on the corner, um, with the Zampa Road corner where, where I sit, and they'll be kind of looking up and you know taking notes, and you think, well, really, what, what has happened there? Apart from a few pulling a few faces and saying a few rude names, it's not yeah, the, not the biggest I mean, deal, is it? 
No, I mean, I don't understand that at all. And I mean, down at Millwall now, he's got ridiculous. I mean, you've got people really now down there watching their language. And that's just ridiculous. At the end of the day, when we first went, it was a working man's game. And you come home, most people, well, I mean, back in the 50s, when they used to do a Saturday morning's work, they cut the clocks off, went down, had a few pints, and then went to the football. And it was for blokes to let off steam at the weekend. Um, since the advent of the Premier League, it's just gone to pop. It's more like a product, isn't it? No, it's a a cleaned up, sanitised product. Yeah, it is. And, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I always say the first televised Sky game killed football. Um, From that day onwards, and I mean, you look at it now, I mean, it's just horrendous. Look what the amount of money they've put in for this um, this new Sky bid. Five plus billion pounds, it's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely I mean, you know, I just I can't I can't get my head around that. And when you watch Premier League games, there's a bloody Chinese taking photos of the opposition and God mm. knows what else. Seems every Premier League game got to employ a Chinaman to go out the front of the stand or somewhere and take photos of himself. It makes me bloody laugh. It makes me laugh as a boy if they're sitting there at Man United with a Man United scarf on and Gerard comes along and they get out and they want to take photos of him. You know, you should be throwing your phone at him and bloody taking photos of him. That's the Millwall fan in you coming out, Mark. (laughs) Who's your favourite all-time Millwall player? Who would you choose? Um, right, okay, this was a tough one. Yeah. Um, I really like Kevin Bremner. I like his work right. rate, his effort. Okay. Um, and the best player, I don't care what anybody says, you can't argue Teddy Seven and weren't the best player ever. No, I, I, I go with that. I go He's with that. an absolute quality player. <clears throat> I remember, remember George Brown bombing him out, though, and sending him off to Aldershot when he first started. <laughs> and uh, obviously, I mean, showing him all, he still quotes the old piano on your back quote with yeah, someone shouting yeah. out at him. Um, he did have that style about him, but I mean, blimey, what he's gone on to achieve and everything's unbelievable. But. My two favourites of all time, uh, it's got to be Terry Erlock and it's got to be Neil Harris as well. Yeah, Because I choices. think, you know, he just, to come back to the club, and I don't think he really wanted to leave in the first place, um, to come back, to break the record, and then to come back again and work for the club again, you know, it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, um, I mean, it's an over, legend is an overdone word in many ways, and I, but I do think it applies to Neil Harris. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know. without that, especially what he's overcome as well to, to get to where he is and all that. And also, I know a couple of players, and they still tell me he's one of the best players in training still as well. I, I dare so, say. Uh, yeah. Well, when he was when he when he first broke into the side in 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 the promotion season, Mark. I mean, he he was linked, I think, with, with Liverpool or Spurs. I can't remember which one it was, but he, he was linked. Yeah, I think I think that was uh, I think it was Liverpool, but I think that was more to do with the fact I think he said he was a Liverpool fan, didn't he, at one point? Oh, that, yeah, possibly. Um, possibly. And uh, as a boy, I think he liked Liverpool or, or whatever. I think there was a quote that he made about that, but obviously. Um, in, in going to South End, I mean, he was South End as well, so yeah. you know, you don't know. But you, these stories come about. I mean, Kitchener was apparently going to sign for Liverpool before they signed Larry Lloyd, but you know, how much truth is in all that, you just don't know. So, mm. you know, so uh, they're, but, ni- they're nice myths, aren't they? They're nice myths to, to keep in mind. Yeah. Who was the worst player? Swing to the opposite extreme now, Mark, um, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Who's the worst Millwall player you've ever seen, mate? Uh, worst Millwall player without a doubt. <laughs> Is Jason Bear. That man should have had. There should have been, as he came out of the players' tunnel, there should have been two blokes in suits from whatever bloody government thing they come from for him wearing football boots under false pretenses. He was a dog of a player. Absolute dog of a player. Absolutely. He was. Uh, 
No, there was nothing about him at all. He had no ability. He couldn't go past the player. And he was as weak as water in a tackle. And I think that, that didn't help him at all. I remember seeing him bottle a tackle one time. Uh, um, I can't remember where it was. I think it was Notch County or somewhere like that. Yeah. And he basically ran away from the bloke like that. And you just thought to yourself, look, what are you doing on the football pitch? Well, it's the first picker for Jason Dare, I think, in all of these interviews that I've done. So that's that's a, that's a, that's, that's a mark. That's mark one, one to you there, Mark. What's your me- most memorable match? Which one would you go for if you, of all the selection you've ever seen? Oh, I'm blimey. There's too many to choose, I really think. Um, Hull away, obviously. Yeah. Um, the 1 0 um, promotion. Yeah. Um, my favourite one, I've got to think, is obviously the semi final as well. Yeah. But the Chelsea 3 2 duck game. All right. I mean, that, that was a laugh a minute from the day that we, from when we set out. Um, <laughs> I actually, this is gospel truth. I'll see a geezer walk in that ground and he comes straight from work and he had a canvas tool bag and he walked straight through the search <laughs> with it. No search, nothing. The bloke behind me um, walked through the thing and had a set of darts in his top pocket. <laughs> and he was sticking out the top pocket of his shirt because apparently he was going to try and get back for a darts going down and open the after the game. And apparently uh, the tool bag um, was on the floor when we came out and obviously there was no tools no in it. No tools in it, no. <laughs> Uh, they, they, they'd all gone. Oh uh, dear! No, good choice. That was that was one of those um, electric nights that only mill supplies, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, we went over there. We didn't really have a chance when you when you looked at it. You thought yourself, um, you know, it felt. Uh, well, say that. I mean, we've beaten Leicester two 0 and then uh, we played Bradford just before, and I think we beat them four 0 when they were top of the league. Yeah. And then we went over to Chelsea, but I mean, they were what the equivalent is now, a Premier League side, and we were third division. Yeah. And you sort of went over there, and you just thought to yourself, can we do this, like, you know? And when we went one up, you thought to yourself, yeah, we got half the chance here. Second half started, they scored quite, I think they scored in about 50 or 55 minutes, something like that. Yeah. And I looked over at my mate, who's standing a little bit along from me, and he just held up five fingers, and I said to him, yeah, probably... Mm. You know, that they'll probably get four or five now. Yeah. And then, obviously, uh, Mr. Fashion, who intervened with his elbows and God knows what else, and <laughs> knocked their centre-back out of the way and got the equaliser, and then Stevie Lovell's penalty. And uh, that was it. The rest and, is history, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and as an aside to that, I was on holiday in um, uh, Gran Canaria a few yeah. years later. Yeah. And um, who should walk in the bar that we was in? David Speedy. Wow. And I said to him, uh, we started chatting to him and all that. He said, oh, you football fans. I said, yeah. And we said to him, we didn't tell him who we supported. And mm. I said to him, do you know your best moment ever? He went, go on. I went, playing for Chelsea. He went, yeah. I went, last minute. He went, yeah. And I went, when you put that penalty, what? <laughs> 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 Thanks very much, he went. But he was a nice fella. He bought a few rounds of drinks and all that. And he was a nice fella. Fair play. Fair play. What distinguishing moment? Uh, is there a, can you distinguish a Millwall moment from a Millwall match, Mark? Your favourite ever moment in yeah, definitely following the lines. Like, yeah. Go on. Final whistle, semi-final. Me and my son, who was eight, and just being there at that final whistle, Millwall were in the cup final. I know. You know, it was know. just. Oh, I've got to say, I was in tears. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd be boy with me, and you know, he's eight years old, and he was sort of the beam on his face like you know <laughs> I'm going to the cup final sort of thing like you know and and you you look back at that game and um, you know we took a bit of a battering in that game as well certainly did in that second you know, half we and, did mate yeah. and we held on and we held on and you know and that final whistle you just thought to yourself 
Really, they cup final. Like, you know, it was quite a I'm surreal day, wasn't it? Yes, it is. I know, I know. And um, you, know, <laughs> you just sort of looked at it, and you just you, it, it was you was pinching yourself. And it was it was great afterwards as well because we had a lot of older uh, Sunderland fans coming up to me, boy, patting him on the head and saying, "Good luck, son. We hope you win the cup," which was a nice touch. Yeah, play, yeah, you know? yeah. But you probably wouldn't have got from other teams if we'd have played. But no. At, the whole weekend of that was great. We went up on the, the day before and we actually, I think we drove past Villa Park when they were playing uh, the other semi-final, the Arsenal-Man United game. Um, you know, you just think to yourself, you're playing Arsenal-Man United if you win this, like, you know. <laughs> and we, we ended up probably playing the biggest club in the land yeah, um, yeah. in the final, like, you know. Um, the final was a bit of an, of an anti-climax to me because at the end of the day, I think, um, with the players we had missing, yeah. If we'd have gone there with a full compliment, you know, with Dichiar and... Uh, yeah, yeah uh, uh, Muscat was out, wasn't Muscat, he? Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. was missing, you know. And I think if we'd have gone there with a full compliment, we could have had a little chance, do you know what I mean? A, yeah. a, an art of a chance, I speak yeah. something. But in that game, you, you you got on the coach and you just thought to yourself, we've got a score and they can't hit a barn door all day. You know? <laughs> and you just think, if they go one up, we're not going to No, as soon, as soon as that first know? one went in, we were doomed. But um, it was a yeah. it was a fantastic event. Um, and I think that's, I that's what I take out of it. I agree with your choice, to be honest. Who's your funniest ever Millwall moment, Mark? Can you, you got any, any amusing moments you can share with us that, <laughs> that you can repeat with your wife in the house? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've got a couple. I'll, I'll tell you one, uh, uh, one first one. Away to Southampton, we was playing down there, and it was when we had the cage behind the goal. It might have been the game where um, Shilton pulled down Fashion, and it was a blatant penalty. Yeah. Um, but we were standing behind the goal, and they was having a kick about before the game, right? Like, you know, warming up, <laughs> and the ball came into our thing, and I caught it. So I've set myself up, big space around me to lower the ball, threw it up in the air, took my eyes off it, and this geezer punched it, and I just. Big massive air shot and landed on the arse. That's the amusement of everyone around me. So, <laughs> one of the funniest ones was uh, was one of our friends, um, dear fella. He's no longer with us. He died tragically young. He was only twenty when he died right. uh, in a bike accident. Right. Um, we were going away to Tottenham and for the three-three game, and uh, we all came from the Cup when we met up there. There was about half a dozen of us, maybe a few more. Um, we got we used to change at um, New Cross and get the underground. Yeah. Anyway, as we get on the underground trains uh, and on the underground train, someone started pulling his hair at the back, and he had sort of curly straw like yeah. Okay. Started tugging his hair, and it was a laugh first of all, and it sort of died out. But when we get to uh, I think it was Liverpool Street, and then we got the train down to Tottenham. Um, it carried on a bit more. I mean, you could see he was getting the hump. <laughs> the more this was happening, of course, the more he was getting the hump, the more we were doing. That's right. Like anyway, any good joke, it's got to go on way too long, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we get off at the other end and we come out and we're being escorted down the road by the place and we're walking down and we're now outside the ground, basically, the side of the ground. Yeah. And Tottenham are all on the pavement and they was giving it the old because we yeah. was only sort of 17, 18, yeah, yeah, yeah. we was. And they was older. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he, 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 someone pulled his hair again a bit harder and he turned around, he, he lost it, he turned around, he went, and that fucker who does this, he said, I'll knock him out. <laughs> anyway, as he's walking along, the police also took the nibble of his hair. 
and he threw this massive haymaker without looking, and he's hit the orbs on the nose. The cop was gone ballistic, fucking nicking, nicking, chasing down the road. As the cop was in, running off down the road, we're laughing our heads off. As the cop was run off on the horse, the escort's all broken up, and all these cotton that were giving it Millwall, Millwall, now Millwall are piling into them, chasing them off down the road. Anyway, we, had, we finally went over to two coppers who, who had old and mate, and the other coppers that wanted to the bloke when he all swanning in Nick. And when we explained what happened, they finally decided to let him off. Let him walk. Yeah, yeah. but he was really, really funny because anything daft used to happen to him. I remember we went to Watford one year and he went, I'm going into Watford then. And we went, yeah, but I ain't got nobody. What are you going into Watford for? <laughs> he said, you'll see me. He said, when the teams come out, he said, I'll start shouting Mill Wall and all that. Like anyway, we, we see him and he's bouncing about in the Watford. <laughs> and um, the teams come out and all of a sudden there's a stretcher coming around the pitch and he was on it. <laughs> <laughs> Copper and Larrick <laughs> Send him back on a stretcher. <laughs> Fantastic. But, yeah, he, he, was, he was a proper character. Oh, yeah, dear. I mean, oh, there's loads and loads of stories from years ago. There's a great one that I posted on House of Fun once about when we went uh, to Stoke on a coach. Yeah. Um, it's a bit long-winded. Um, and basically, my mate Mickey had a... His uncle had a coach. And it came round the corner to pick us up. And yeah. it was like something out of holiday on the buses. <laughs> and he'd taken out the back four seats and the whole back bench seat at the back and put the equivalent of basically uh, um, a kitchen door in the back of the seat. <laughs> and he'd made like, he'd put some kitchen units in the back of the seat as well. Was that the bar or something? Hey? Was that supposed to be the bar at the back or something like well, that? I don't know what it was. I don't know what he was trying to do. But anyway, he had these kitchen units in there. There was about 30, 40 of us on this coach. Anyway, there was a, a wooden thing that he'd made at the back. It was supposed to be a toilet, but basically it was just like a small oil drum with a few of them um, urinal blocks thrown in it. Anyway, um, long story short, this thing filled up and we was on our... Oh, no, I've got to tell you this other bit first. Um, we get off at the service and one of the blokes has got a standing knife and he's gone down the side of this lorry that's carrying straw and things like this. And we were yeah. polythene over it and he's cut the lot, I mean. <laughs> all the way down the side of it. Anyway, we go in the services and off we go. Um, and we get back on this coach, and now this toilet thing is full up. It's full of piss, and it's, it's stinky and everything. So we think, we'll empty this, and we go, we, go, well, we can't pull over. So they still have the side door on the coach, you know? The yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. So they've shown that open, and where the coach is going along, it's just whacked to the back of the coach, and it's staying open. So there's now a group of blokes holding each other around the waist, and one at the front trying to tip this piss pot out the door, right? <laughs> which they do. So they've got two fellas looking out at, at, through the back of the coach through this bloody um, kitchen door that the bloke was putting in and they're asking them for the, for the go to, when they can empty this piss out. So they give the go and they sit the piss out the side of the door and it's all flying behind the coach and going down the motorway and everything. And these two blokes are laughing their cock off who are looking out this back door. Anyway, we finally drag everybody in, manage to get the door closed, they're getting that again and we what are you laughing at? And they were pointing. They couldn't even tell us. And as we looked at the thing, there was a bloke in a soft top sports car with his bird, and he must have been covered in it. <laughs> anyway, we get further down the road, and the coach is ground on a halt. And the old Bill has seen us, um, and they're not at me. So they get us on the old hard shoulder, and as we drive up the hard shoulder, there's a lorry that shed its load in the middle of the thing with all this straw that the guys have cut. 
<laughs> oh dear. But, yeah, okay. it's all part of a good day out. <laughs> Who's your favourite current player? Who'd you pick out of the current squad, Mark? Oh, Who's your choice? It's limited, I know. Yeah, it is a difficult one. I mean, for all his faults and everything, I've still like Danny. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's been there a bloody long time now, and a lot of people have tried to oust him, and he's, still, he's like the old bloody boomerang, isn't he? I know, he's never get rid of him, will we? And, and the thing is, at the end of the day, when you need to be stand up and be counted, he's a player that you want now, because he is Millwall, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I do like him for that fact. Good choice. Um, other than that, I like Jimmy Acton as well for everything that he gives you as well. Yeah. So I've got to say them too. Danny and Abdu. Yeah. Good choices. Last question on the list now, Mark. Uh, we come to the finish of it. Um, I'm going to ask you to select your most disliked opponent. Now, this can be player, can be club. Oh, don't worry. I've got one top of that, top of this list. Go for it, mate. Go on. Um, right. I can't stand Marlon King. Marlon King, for obvious yeah, reasons. I yeah. can't stand Collymore. Yep. But top of the list, Lee Hughes. Lee Hughes, yeah. yeah definitely. And I think the thing is, after he did what he did and he got put away, you know, when you come out and you're having your first season out, you know, he, he was by far the best player in that division at the time when, in the game when they beat us 3-2. Yeah, a talented footballer at that level, yeah. yeah. You know, he was far too good for that level, without a doubt. Yeah. But have a bit of humility about yourself. When you score your goals, shake hands with your teammates, yeah. go back to the centre circle. Yeah, Don't yeah. start fucking dancing around like you're doing a monkey cut. dance or whatever that was. You yeah. know, yeah. it's like me dancing on the fella's grave, like, yeah. you know. Yeah. I just think have a bit of humility about yourself, you know, you know, show yourself, show a bit of respect. Yeah, you know, and the bloke obviously had no respect, and I think the worst. I, I think it's funny because out of them players that I've mentioned now, every time we came these bastards, they seem to get hatred against us and take us to the cleaners. They seem to feed off the energy of the they crowd because yeah. it, it was I mean, a. I just think to myself, like, have you got no shame? You know what I mean? You, it, no. it just it, it just sickens me. You know, for what these people have done, you know, it, it, it's just sickening. It really is, and 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 him. Through stupid dance and everything else, I thought you know, your first season back, have a bit about yourself, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I just can't get my head around that. And do you know what? I'll tell you another one as well. I have an well, it's not irrational actually. I can't stand Dennis Wise. Really? Can't stand the bloke. Um, probably, you know, I just think he's a spiteful, horrible. Uh, you know, he's everything that I don't like in football. He's pinching the players and things like that. Yeah. You know, stand up and be a man. Like, don't pinch people and no, things like that. No. I just can't stand that, you know. And um, never really took to him at Millwall. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, he did good things for Millwall. No question. But I just can't take to him as a person at all. No, I've never had that. Got a very silly haircut, Mark. I don't know if you've seen the latest pictures of him. He's oh, gone, yeah, I have seen It's like a, a fucking cross between it, Hitler and that guy's without a smile. <laughs> 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 I don't know who's advising him on what looks good, but it's, it's wrong, wrong advice there, mate. Yeah. Fantastic, Mark. That's that's the interview done. You are our listed lion. Okay, mate. Congratulations. Thank you very much for doing it. It's a great interview, mate. Really appreciate right, it. Mate. Welcome back on the show anytime you fancy it, mate. Okay, then. Cheers, You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Don't you threaten me. Don't add stupidity to failure. The pain takes the sin away. 
doesn't it hurt? Sure it does. But I measure power not by the blows you can give, but by the blows you can take. 